Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. Uh, this land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it'll continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, sharing stories uh, and song, and we are privileged to be part of that storytelling here today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present. And we're broadcasting live from Redfern right now. Uh, Redfern is the birthplace of black theatre in this country and uh, a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. Welcome to Race Matters. Uh, this is a show hosted by people of colour speaking with people of colour uh, about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm Tanya Ali. Before we get into the show, a content warning, we're going to be discussing racialized violence and police brutality, topics that have probably been at the front of your mind over the weekend if you've been watching the news or on social media. If you're feeling like you need a break, we get it. Uh, when things like this are dominating the news cycle, it is so, so important to take care of yourself, especially if you're someone who is First Nations and or black. We'd also like to let our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners know that we will be mentioning the names of people who have passed away. So just a few days ago on May 25, a man named George Floyd was killed by police in Minnesota in the United States. Since then, there have been protests all over America every night, some peaceful, others escalating. Late on Thursday night US time, Donald Trump tweeted threatening to send in the National Guard, that is the military, to protests in Minnesota to quote unquote get the job done right. In a subsequent tweet that even Twitter marked as violating its rules for glorifying violence, Trump wrote, any difficulty and we will assume control, but when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Now, the National Guard has been fully mobilised in Minnesota and activated in several other states. The four police officers involved in George Floyd's death have been fired, but only one of them has been charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. The Floyd family want a first-degree murder charge and to see the other officers arrested. Many other protesters want the same and are expressing anger at yet another black life lost. We cannot look at this as an isolated incident. The reason why buildings are burning are not just for our brother, George Floyd. We're, they're burning down because people here in Minnesota are saying to people in New York, to people in California, to people in Memphis, to people all across this nation, enough is enough. That's activist Tamika Mallory uh, speaking at a rally in Minneapolis. Uh, she said these protests aren't just uh, about George Floyd. Uh, in Canada, the death of Regis Kaczynski Parquet, uh, while alone uh, with police in her apartment, uh, has sparked Black Lives Matter marches in Toronto and Halifax. Uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, an emergency medical technician, Breonna Taylor, uh, she was killed by police gunfire in her own home. Uh, in the words of Erin Hay, uh, editor-at-large of the 19th, which is an independent U.S.-based newsroom, uh, tweeting on Saturday night, 
Tonight is not about this week. It is not about this year. It is not about our current president or his predecessor. Tonight was generations in the making. Our current climate is only the latest accelerant. Uh, this is a rage that reaches back across the ages. Before there were hashtags. Today it is George, Ahmad, Briona, Eric, Michael, Philando, Freddie, Walter, Sandra, Atatiana, Tamir, Trayvon, and so many others. But before, Catherine, Fred, Amaju, Sean... I mean, just three weeks ago uh, on the show, uh, Sarah and I spoke about Armand Arbery. He was a young black man in Georgia in the US. He was out for a jog when he was lynched by a white father and son. And this happened back in February. But it was only when a video of this shooting went viral, like quote-unquote went viral, that Ahmad's uh, murderers were actually charged. Yeah, it's totally a pattern. Uh, and in an article for Galdem, Kemi Alamoru says, and I'm quoting here, black people have been so systematically dehumanised and discredited that people have to see blood spilt to acknowledge our plight. Which is so true. We see this time and time again. It's only when actual video footage, which is super traumatizing for black people, especially to watch and rewatch, but that's when people are mobilized. I can't breathe were some of George Floyd's last words. This was the same phrase that Eric Garner repeated as he was fatally restrained by police in 2014, and it defined a wave of protests then. It's also the same phrase that Dungudi man David Dungay repeated as he was fatally restrained by prison guards here in Sydney at Long Bay Jail in 2015. I can't breathe are words that have captured an international sense of desperation felt by black people and carried out by their white oppressors. It's a feeling that this country has endured for generations and continues to feel today. Yeah, never more pertinent to think about than this week. We're currently in the middle or near the end of Reconciliation Week. We mark the day the Australian government said sorry to the stolen generation and supposedly uh, a step towards self-determination for Indigenous peoples. Uh, yesterday, mining company Rio Tinto apologised to traditional owners after blasting a 46,000-year-old Aboriginal site. And, uh, so, you know, this is something that needs a whole other episode, but, you know, we can't ignore that this happened. It's been said before, and it needs to be said again, sorry means you don't do it again. Uh, you see it on signs in placards at protests every time there is a protest. Uh, in regards to black lives, uh, The Guardian have revealed that more than 400 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have died in custody since the end of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody in 1991. Uh, they published a database, uh, which is all online. It's the Aboriginal deaths in custody between 2008 and 2019 uh, with heaps of information uh, collected from the National Deaths in Custody Program. If you are looking for a resource on what the numbers look like on Indigenous deaths in, pres in prison, uh, in custody and in custody rela related operations in Australia, there are many ways that police involve themselves in the lives of Indigenous people and it's not always at the time that they're incarcerated. This is a good place to start self-educated. Uh, there are names there that you will be familiar with. Uh, Tanya Day is one of them who was a respected activist, uh, arrested for public drunkenness, and was reported to have died from a brain hemorrhage after falling and hitting, hitting her head in the cells. And that was the first death in custody uh, inquest in Australia that really made a mark and explicitly considered the impact of institutionalized racism. And it's just wild that it took that long for that to even be a conversation that was had in a public forum. And the inquest status for that is still pending. Yeah, so justice absolutely has not been served. Yeah, I feel like 
Over the last few days, posts and discourse about institutionalised racism and white supremacy have been dominating social media in this like unprecedented way. It feels like people are genuinely reflecting. But in this country, there needs to be a whole lot more reflection from all settlers about what it means to live on this stolen land. Always, but especially in a week dedicated to so-called reconciliation. There seems to be this kind of like readiness of non-Indigenous Australians to be vehemently outraged at what's happening over in the States, even like this weird sense of moral superiority. Yet so many of these same people consistently refuse to show up for First Nations people here outside of like invasion day marches. It's important to remember that there are many things to reflect about. Debts and custody here in Australia, the concept of reconciliation, as well as, of course, the Black Lives Matter movement in the States. You are listening to Race Matters with Darren Lasagas and Tanya Ali. Uh, in a moment, we're going to be chatting about ways you can take meaningful action uh, towards justice for black lives. But first, can we talk real quick about uh, the way Australian media is handling reporting on the protests happening in the States right now? I just... Uh, look, it's not everywhere, but I feel like the worst ones are the ones that jump out and reach the most people, which is pretty tragic. And the ignorance and hypocrisy of Australian media is, like, super jumping out right now. Yeah. Uh, most notably, Channel 9's Today reporter Alexis Daesh uh, spoke to a black protester on the ground at a protest in LA yesterday and uh, ended the interview, which, to be honest, was pretty painful to watch to begin with, and uh, she said this. Well, I really appreciate you giving your perspective, mate, because people in Australia don't have the understanding of the history of police killings and things here, and we really appreciate you talking to us, so thank you. Crazy. Uh... Um... I mean, I can kind of, uh, I can already imagine the defense of this being like, you know, talking about the unique history of uh, America's dealings with inequality against black people versus our one is different. But like the fact that you can't draw a connection between what's happening there to what's happening in Australia is mind-blowing. truly absurd. Um, yeah, the implication here is that police brutality and violent white supremacy is so far from common knowledge in Australia, even this reporter. It's a completely unwarranted moral high ground. You can kind of hear it in her voice uh, and in one sentence and broadcast to thousands and thousands of viewers, completely erasing our truly horrific history of colonial violence that absolutely exists today. It's just... It's like ignorant and it's it's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing and it's absolutely, you know, I hate to use the phrase, I feel like we say it all the time and it kind of sucks, but it has gone viral and people all over Twitter are just tearing her to shreds, which is fair enough because, you know, to assume that the Australian public is, you know completely as ignorant as she is, is offensive. It's to damaging. Totally. But unfortunately, Daesh isn't alone. I have heard some other pretty poor coverage of these protests across Australian media. There seems to be this tendency that I've noticed a bit, especially in more so-called progressive or even just centrist Australian media, to try so hard to avoid coming across as biased in any way, especially when it comes to racism, funnily enough, that they overcorrect and it comes off, well racist. Uh, this country is still so deeply uncomfortable talking about race and that really comes to light in times like this. The ABC recently apologised over a, what they're calling an auto-tweet in which their Twitter account published an article about the white woman in New York City calling the cops and threatening a black man for telling her to put her dog on a leash in a dog-like 
Leash Park. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the caption was, how a phone call to police cost this woman her job and her dog. Centering victimhood on this white woman who committed a blatantly racist act. The ABC said that their auto-tweet technology generated those words based off the headline, but who wrote the headline? At the end of the day, whether technology spewed those words out or not, we have to understand that our words hold power, the way we communicate and engage and reflect the prejudices that we've socialised since the day we were born... Now, more than ever, it's clear that us settlers have a whole, whole lot of work to unlearn these behaviours. Yeah, and it is, it's not easy and it is not comfortable. Uh, a lot of this show is wading through such difficult uh, conversations to have with ourselves and with each other. Uh, but the cost is too much. The cost of our racist microaggressions, whether we know we're doing them or not, the cost of saying silent when those around us do that, uh, eventuates in a festering of racism that is invisible until it ends in the death of black people. Racism starts when people say, hash, uh, I don't know, I say hashtag, <laughs> quote unquote. I mean, it's probably it's a hashtag, you know, people probably hashtag, I don't see color. You know, when people claim reverse racism, when they, you know, tell people how to behave or how to speak or how to protest how they race how people racially profile when they wear it when people wear a culturally appropriative halloween costume when they deny that white privilege exists all of that may seem small on its own uh but it's the culture that this all accumulates you know that's the culture that empowers people to make more blatantly and explicitly racist actions, make racist jokes, use the N-word, give a neo-Nazi a platform, or, you know, lynch people, kill people. This is not just white people, too. I mean, like, Tanya, like, this is you and me. This is the family we know. These are the conversations we're having with our friends at the places that we work, at the people that we date. And we have so much to unlearn uh, in the way of anti-blackness uh, wherever we can. And, you know, there's a lot of talk right now in this discourse uh, about what it means to reject racism as opposed to being actively anti-racist. Mm. You know, being anti-racist means reading anti-racist works. People have done the work, they've done the research, they've done the thinking already. This language, these conversations exist already and we need to engage with them on a broader level. Avoid sharing content which is traumatic to black people. Like, stop sharing videos. Like, it further dehumanizes these people and sure, it sparks outrage, but I mean, yeah, it it baffles the mind. And as we kind of touched on before, like, it says something pretty damning about society that only when we're seeing these visceral, uh, like, depictions of black trauma and black pain do white people and non-black people say, yeah, there is a problem, I guess. Like, yeah. it, it's messed up. Uh, money, you know, reparations, donate to First Nations run and own organizations. And above all, like, I mean, I feel like I've been guilty of this in the past and I'm trying to unlearn this too, but don't make this about you. Uh, listen and support in meaningful ways now and uh, definitely long after the heat has burned out. Um, and as I said before, like, this is not easy or comfortable. Uh, there's a lot of talking about reflecting right now, but what does reflecting actually mean? Um, well, this is it. There are many hard conversations to be had with others and most importantly, uh, conversations you need to have with yourself. Center First Nations voices and where you're able and where it's safe, 
uh, commit your body and your presence to protests. Uh, make a step beyond the statements you make on social media and act, uh, engage and, and do the work. And those actions need to go long after media coverage has died down, which it inevitably will until another, you know, such tragic event happens. Like, this is ongoing work all the time, 24-7, seven days a week. You need to be doing this work. And like, as I, Yeah, as I said before, like, these are conversations. This is work that has been done for years and decades and generations before us. Protesting is not a new thing. Protesting comes in different forms. You know, this idea of rioting versus looting is such a crucial distinction to be made. Um, the idea of looting... Uh, is so fraught and wrapped in such a complex history of who's been looting in the past, who's looting now, and who's benefiting from the looting and who is not. And we're going to get an excerpt later on uh, before we close the show from, uh, is it Tamika? Yeah, Tamika Mallory. Tamika Mallory, uh, who pretty much explains it pretty uh, plainly, uh, the difference between what is protesting and what is rioting. Mm, absolutely. So to make it clear and to give you some resources, we've compiled a quick list of links to start, things to read, places to donate to, activations that you can support. Uh, that's up on the Race Matters program page at fbiradio.com right now. And that is all for Race Matters this week. Uh, my name is Tanya Ali. I'm Darren Lasagas. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts or at fbiradio.com forward slash race matters. We're going to leave you with, as Darren said, a few more words from activist Tamika Mallory speaking at a Minneapolis rally a few days ago. In this excerpt, she's talking specifically about a America, of course, but without a doubt what she says is relevant to this country too. Do what you say this country is supposed to be about the land of the free for all. It has not been free for black people and we are tired. Don't talk to us about looting. Y'all are the looters. America has looted black people. America looted the Native Americans when they first came here. So looting is what you do. We learned it from you. We learned violence from you. We learned violence from you. The violence was what we learned from you. So if you want us to do better, then damn it, you do better. Race matters. 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 Race matters.